0: Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the Al Franken podcast ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile,
1: we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: This is your podcast. I know. Do you have a name for it yet? Seattle
0: the Al Franken Podcast right now. I like that. Yeah, I thought I'd do that. You know, and people are free to, you know, give me ideas. I I, I like that. I do too, but just, uh, you can, you know, send in ideas, but do not send in frankincense and mirth.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Whatever thing you name it, people are going to call it the Al Franken podcast.
0: That's what I think. Yeah. All right. uh, My guest today... Is a funny, principled, brave, versatile, sensible, <laughs> adorable, happy, great comedian and friend, Sarah
2: Silver. <laughs> That's so nice. What is
0: all true? Every <laughs> word of it. We met uh, at Saturday Night Live. You only did one year there, right? Yes. Why did you do that? Why didn't you?
2: I got fired.
0: You're kidding me.
2: (laughs) What, do you think I just left?
0: I thought you just left because that'd be like something you would do for some reason. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. They made some mistakes.
2: (laughs) I don't have any ill will towards it. I think they did the right thing.
0: Well, you're you're fine. I mean, you did fine. Okay, it worked out.
2: It worked out great. It worked
0: out great. When I say versatile, you do, you do so much. You're obviously a stand-up. I, I mean, first and I foremost, can talk right?
2: like this, and then I can talk like this.
0: Now, that's versatility. <laughs> I want to talk about uh, some things that I know about you that I relate to. Your father, whom you love tremendously. Yes. He swears all the time, right?
2: Yeah. When I was a toddler, my I had one of those dads... That thought it was hilarious to teach your, you know, little kids swear words. Right. So he just told me it. he taught me swears and then, you know, it was like a party trick.
0: You you can say them. Well, you can say it was here. just
2: bitch bastard damn shit.
0: Okay. Okay.
2: And then I learned and that and two. then I'd yell it in places. Uh-huh. And grown ups would give me immense amounts of approval despite themselves.
0: Now you're two years old. You're getting laughs.
2: Yeah, and, and I do. I, it does make sense because, like that element of shock, and you liked felt it. Good. You,
0: you really loved getting that the laughs, right? Yes, it made okay. my
2: arms itch with glee.
0: What was the first show you ever did, or get up on a stage? When was the first time you got up on a stage?
2: When I was seventeen, I went to summer school at Boston University. And I was in Boston. That was the big city, so I... Yeah,
0: you're from New Hampshire.
2: Yeah, and I did a open mic at Stitches.
0: So that's the first time you performed on a stage? You didn't do it in school at all? Oh, you only... yeah,
2: I did all the school plays and all that.
0: Okay, you did all the school I did play. all
2: the musicals, and then in the spring was this non-musical play, and I did Lights. I was lucky enough to go to a like a prep school. My last three years of high school, my dad made me go to this prep school yeah. and then I ended up loving it and it was like cool to be smart and
0: Was it a co-ed school? Yeah, yeah okay.
2: They would let me there was assemblies every Friday mm-hmm. and they'd let me have like two or 3 minutes.
0: Your sister is a rabbi in Israel.
2: Susie, yeah.
0: Yeah. I went to Israel on a on a trip and um, She's a
2: rabbi who lives in Israel. She I've, women I saw aren't, her there. aren't acknowledged as rabbis in Israel, right?
0: Uh, she's a Reform rabbi. Yeah, isn't yeah, she? yeah, yeah. Yeah, and no, no, no. We went to a service together.
2: Yeah, yeah. You probably went to see uh, uh, a. The
0: guy who sang a lot. He did a he's lot. He's awesome.
2: I get all my weed from him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so he was my weed <laughs>
2: connection, and he's the rabbi the the rabbi at the uh, temple there.
0: You know, it's funny. I I'm Reform, so services are much more in English right. than Hebrew when you're reformed So I'm go to this reform service in uh, Jerusalem. I'm going, Oh good, the service will mainly be in English. But I forgot You're in Israel. I'm in Israel. Yeah. And so and it took me a moment. They're going like, why are they doing it in Hebrew?
2: <laughs> well, I went, there's the big Jerusalem, there's something, I was there for a gig and to like it, and to see my family there and everything. And so I was there with this.
0: Now, how, how did you go over in Israel?
2: I I had never been in Israel before. And I was like, whoa, I wonder if people know who I am in Israel. I'm famous in Israel, it turns out. I mean, I'm not like. Um,
0: Are they um, Jewish centric? Is that part of the reason? Now you're not religious, I know. The, the religion of Judaism is not no, something. No, I'm just you Jew-y. Hate, But you're really Jewy.
2: Yeah, like I'm so Jewy. It's so weird.
0: You identify. You're a cult- culture culturally very, very Jewish. Yeah. And that comes from again.
2: But like a family. New England Jew, like a messy Jew, a, a Jew that has stains. There's different kinds of Jews. You know what I mean.
0: I think you're talking about kind of a class differential, maybe? Oh,
2: maybe. Yeah, I, like, you know, I mean. I think your
0: dad uh, really was a little class conscious, was he?
2: Yeah, no, he hates rich people. He's been, punched in the, he's been punched in the face. We've both been punched in the face three times.
0: Okay, let's follow up on that. Uh-huh. You've been punched in the face three times.
2: Yeah, but for How me. How many
0: were Jimmy Kimmel?
2: Zero. (laughs) No, one was in a movie where I was getting beat up and this poor actor completely made contact, knocked me off my feet. I had a huge egg on my jaw. And I probably... What movie was that? It's called The Way of the Gun. It's before even the credits, opening credits. I'm just, I'm in like the cold open scene of it. And Ryan Phillippe beats the shit out of me. And... On the last take, I must have leaned in or I don't know what. They like, totally connected. And when I came to, like when I opened my eyes, I probably would have cried, but he was already crying. <laughs> and I was like, I had to go right into, like, it's okay. <laughs> you know? he but, felt uh, so bad. You, you were out? He definitely knocked me off my feet onto okay. the ground. And so, but I didn't, I wasn't unconscious like another time I was punched in the face completely.
0: Now, what was that one?
2: This was um, when I was, hmm, I think I was 20 by then. For two years, I passed out flyers on the corner of McDougal and 3rd. Okay. Just a drunk uh, guy just completely punched me square in the temple, knocked me unconscious.
0: That's two.
2: And then the third one, oh, was um, at Comic-Con... This was when I had the Arizona <laughs> program. <laughs> this one was really uh, this poor guy. He was a nerd who he there was all like a line to take pictures with me. So mm-hmm. by now I'm I'm famous a bit, you know, mm-hmm. Comic Con, you know, and um, he had not a Hulk fist, but they had the orange ones for the thing. You know those Hulk fists that you punch and it goes rah. No, your audience might or their kids or their grandkids. Uh, I'm
0: sure. Many, um, many, a majority of Americans know what you're talking
2: about. So he has this big, uh, the thing fist on his hand, and then he's the next in line, and I go, hi. And he looks at me, and it's like he didn't know what to do with all his feelings, Mm -hmm. and then he just punched me with it. And it just knocked me back like a step. And by the time I got my bearings, he was being dragged away by two giant guys with, like, this very remorseful look on his face and— I felt bad. He just didn't know what to do with his, all his feelings. Mm. But my dad really asks for it.
0: Yeah, he gets punched by rich people. Yeah, he, and goes, he insults them. He sits at Starbucks,
2: and uh, and the. Okay, that's the,
0: that's your New Hampshire accent. Yeah, that's his Starbucks. accent. Starbucks. Okay, and I he, got it.
2: The guy comes up in a Bentley, and then my dad'll go. Good for you. You need a Bentley. That could probably feed 80,000 people in India, but good for you. You need a Bentley.
0: <laughs> I they, like your dad. Yeah. yeah. They go, Oh, uh-uh. what's that,
2: a Rolex? Uh, my Timex was 30 bucks, and I can swim in it.
0: There's my Timex. Yeah.
2: <laughs> he yeah. loves his Timex.
0: Yeah, it works.
2: Yeah. I go, Dad, just lead your life, like lead by example, show your happy. You know, modest life, but he's That's no. You. I'm a reverse snob.
0: <laughs> so, uh, let me ask you about taste mm-hmm. <laughs> and and how you approach what you do, because first of all, you do a lot of blue humor. You do a lot of dark humor. Yeah, and you get away with it for a number of reasons, I think, mainly because. You've established that your intention is always good. As offensive as some of the language you use and as ironic, if it's ironic, Right. Um, it, it'll be on its face, maybe offensive. But your audience now knows that you don't mean that. And you're getting away from the irony I think more and more I
2: right? am getting more I'm different than you know my first specialist oof, pretty problematic but I feel like if you don't look back on old stuff and cringe then you're not necessarily growing wildly but
0: but uh, I, I that's one of the things I admire about you is that you are growing you always are growing
2: I love being fundamentally changed you know I think people are afraid of it and It doesn't feel at all brave. I think it's just like uh, dipping your toe in the water and going like, oh, yeah, it's not a big deal. I hope we get to a place where we all feel safe enough to mess around and have that kind of freedom and and opportunity to make mistakes and figure things out. It's hard.
0: Yeah, I think we're getting too – there's something wrong right now.
2: I'm one of the comics that embraces – PC culture I want to learn your pronouns I want to learn the new things and how th- you know but I do think that this the disingenuous uh framing of of things you said at one point or something you you know what I mean to to in take order something to take someone, someone
0: said 10 years ago <laughs> before this I mean
2: it's it can be very dangerous and I think it's it's Uncool isn't the word, but it's it's a dangerous thing when, you know, there's a meme that goes around in far right, you know, cyberspace that is um of me, a picture of me. Oftentimes it's a picture of me from the DNC. Mm-hmm. And the quote says, I'm glad the Jews killed Jesus. I do it again. And that was a joke from my first special that is part in between two jokes, like it's a whole character thing. Sure, the whole special's in character. They made a meme that makes it look like I said this in earnest. Sure, I've, I've they're, had they're, those are bad death, people not who just do that Not just death threats from it, but um, there's a a preacher in a church, a video of a preacher in a church saying. I, I should be killed. Someone should, kn- if someone knocks my teeth out and kills me, it will be God's work. A preacher. Yeah, a preacher in Florida. So it's on video.
1: You heard this comedian Sarah Silverman? You guys know what I'm talking about? She brags about it. I'd do it again. Listen, she is a witch. She is a Jezebel. She is a God-hating whore of Zionism. I hope that God breaks her teeth out and she yeah. dies. She is a wicked person, and she is, she is like the perfect representation of religious Judaism. Yeah. She is Satan's scoffer, and she is there to take the world and make them laugh and then diss Jesus, to try to take away the respect from Jesus. And listen, we have to be on guard. We have to be vigilant against these type of people. I pray that God would give her an untimely death and it would be evident that it's at the hand of God. It would be obvious that God would judge her. I pray for the day.
0: I'm, I'm wondering if that's, you know, can you charge someone for that? But anyway.
1: I mean, he's,
2: he's gonna, you know, like, I understand if I get myself killed, but like this guy's gonna get me killed.
0: So uh, I've gotten in, tr- you know, trouble for uh, jokes that I've mm-hmm. done in the past, and I went into politics for a reason, which is I wanted to get things done and help people. And and uh, I, during my first campaign, I had <laughs> they, they put everything I'd ever said through the dehumorizer.
2: Oh yeah, I read that in your book. Yeah. Your your last book's so brilliant.
0: And uh, thank you. And so there were things like I had this bit that I did, which was the Republicans were trying to cut, this is before I'm in office, they were trying to cut Medicare and the space program. So I had an idea, which is to shoot the elderly in the (laughs) space.
2: I mean, that's so brilliant.
0: Well, thank you. But the Republicans use that against me, as if (laughs) he joked about shooting... The elderly in the space.
2: Well, because, well, I don't want to categorically talk about the republic. You know, us and them, or but there are some people that care about the spirit of the thing, and other people that care about words.
0: Thomason, my daughter, who oh. she so loves you and quotes oh, your mutual. stuff. It's mutual. Quotes your stuff all the time.
2: <laughs> I love her.
0: Uh, eaten by a grasshopper is one of her.
2: I she told me that I couldn't because once I do a special, everything goes out of my brain. And Texas was almost the third state, uh, but then a judge put the kibosh on it. You guys should know this, and I'm not blaming you for not knowing about this law because we've been just atrocity after atrocity has been coming at us every day. But you're not going to believe this; it's true. Where they have a law where if you get an abortion in those states or have a miscarriage you are responsible for paying for a funeral for the fetal tissue crazy and heinous and i want to speak at those funerals (laughs) (laughs) He died the way he lived. The size of a sesame seed with no discernible brain function. He will be returned now to the soil where he will, I don't know, get eaten by a cricket, maybe?
0: The, the thing with comedians when they do specials is they go out and they work up an hour or whatever it is mm-hmm. right and yeah. that takes a while it takes a long time
2: I'm a really slow honer
0: yeah um, I'm you know amazed at someone like Jim Gaffigan yeah who does like, how many has he done like a uh, million yeah and
2: he's uh, always working and writing and his wife is his co-writer so they they're both always generating stuff it's amazing
0: yeah he's just hilarious. oh my
2: god I love him
0: and you know what I I had this thought, and it's kind of an observation. Trump's wall mm-hmm. <laughs> was his Hot Pockets. <laughs> because he-
2: That's his Hot
3: Pockets bit, it's his signature bit. I was looking at a box of Hot Pockets. They have a warning printed on the sign. So, a warning, you just bought Hot Pockets. I hope you're drunk or heading home to a trailer. You hillbilly, enjoy the next NASCAR event. Oh, pockets!
0: Trump has a talent of going out there and talking for an hour, an hour and a half.
2: Yeah, he's an excellent out. extemporaneous talker. Yeah, you I mean, it, depends, world, it
0: depends what you... Yes, he's terrible on a prompter.
2: You can tell when he's reading because he says the, as he says the... And uh, he says a wow, and he's reading it. It's amazing.
0: You can tell he's reading for a number of reasons, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, but what he did, what his whole cycle last cycle was, remember how he said that uh, everybody else was low energy and he was high energy, (laughs) and so all he did. Was his rallies. That's re- and then he did debates. But I mean, all he did. No, he
2: just throws parties for
0: himself. He, so, and as you know, showing up and performing to thousands of people doesn't take energy, it gives you energy. Right. I mean, it does take a little energy, but it gives you a tremendous amount of it. So here's what he did last campaign mm-hmm. he gets picked up at Trump Tower and you know some form of limo
2: right
0: he gets driven i guess to teterboro in new jersey gets on the trump plane flies to a city has another limo pick him up goes to the venue maybe drinks something eats something goes on stage 15,000 people worshipping him and and he's trying new stuff out, like a comedian. And early on, he says we're going to build a wall on the southern border between the United States and Mexico, and it's going to and, and Mexico is going to pay for it. And they go they go nuts. And he goes, "Well, I'm going to keep that that in. That's like a joke,
2: right? We'll close that, with that's, that.
0: That's his hot pockets. And so we had the government shut down because of his hot pockets." I mean that was it worked. The origin of that was he couldn't remember to talk about immigration and stopping immigration, so they, they gave him it wasn't a mnemonic, but it was, okay, just say you're going to build a wall. And he did that, and it killed, and we shut the government down and now What
2: happened we, with that national emergency? Did everything go okay? Did
0: um, you get attacked at the. Border? No, we still have the damn emergency. There's, attacked
2: by people begging us for help. We're still being attacked by the people begging us for help.
0: I um, had Maria Teresa Kumar on, who's president of Voto Latino, and um, my God, the things that we are doing. She talked. She talked about an eight-year-old. This really, no. really struck an eight-year-old. Who, what he wanted to. It was in a detention camp or and what he wanted to know is were there any coffee plantations nearby because he's a really good picker he's 8 years old and he wanted he want he came there to work
2: i just i would like a lot of people to go to jail for crimes against humanity for this one thing that's what she said
0: she says we need to prosecute the the everyone responsible for this department
2: and the, there are people making money from this of course
0: of course, of course. oh this these is for profit
2: prisons for babies
0: yeah and there's for profit uh, prisons for profit uh oh yeah the colleges, justice for profit right? and no enforcement by devos on terms of these No the enforcement fields.
2: her brothers the guy her brothers the guy who makes money from war
0: well, he's not the guy. He's a
2: guy. He's a guy. <laughs> he's, he's one Eric of the guys. Prince. We're, the, this country isn't divided because we're so insanely different. We're being separated. Half the country is being told that Democrats want to kill babies after birth. Yeah. Half the country is being told this and so much more and much, much more. And it's these, they're lies.
0: It's basically Fox News is now just the Trump's government's mouthpiece, state yeah. TV. And people watch that and they believe it. And this is a guy who is a pathological liar or is he just smart?
2: I No, he's a, I think he's a pathological liar. I think.
0: He could be a pathological liar and smart. I mean, smart in in other words, he having skills. He has instincts.
2: He has skills. Yeah. He has a gift. Yeah. You know, I don't think it's it was something he learned or practiced or honed or. Set I think he out went to-
0: into an area that no one else has explored before, which is the always lying, violating the law, not paying taxes. Being crooked every step of the way. Yeah. Devaluing property when you're paying taxes on it. Overvaluing it when you want to say you're rich. He has chosen a way to go. And no one else, I don't think, who's run for president has lived a life completely like this. He,
2: I think this is how he has survived in his very sad life. And he, he's not... He has no sense of ethics, or I mean, that seems silly to even say. I yeah, mean, it's yeah. so, it's Well,
0: so I, I wonder, you say his very sad life, and I kind of think you're right.
2: I, he's hard, Listen, if he wasn't really hurting and in some cases killing people in their quality of life, I would, my heart would break for him. I said this in DC, but I believe that many people in this country and in the world suffer at the hands of of powerful people who are living unexamined lives. And in fact, they became powerful because of those unexamined lives, because those fucked up survival skills get them there. It's not happiness. It's not success, in my opinion. But it does control other people, which is what they need. And they're making choices based on Unexamined lives based on daddy issues that they haven't looked at, figured out, wondered about. It's all that.
0: I, I think America does a lot of psychoanalyzing of the president. I hope this election, this coming election, won't be about the daily Trump Shiny object, because uh, that's part of his.
2: Yeah, he'll take this. it. It's attention. It's the, it's the kid well, who would who pull hair. That bad attention is just as good.
0: It's actually a distraction. You're right. So it's a distraction from yeah. what we should really be looking at. So we should really be looking at healthcare. We should really be looking at climate. We should really be looking at wealth inequality. We, we didn't discuss any of that in the 2016 election. It was just Trump circus and Hillary's emails. You know, the New York Times is guilty of that, for God's sakes.
2: Uh, the, all the, all the quote-unquote liberal G- Hollywood elite Jew media or whatever you know what I want to call it is guilty of giving Trump and billions of dollars worth of, for ratings.
0: It was ratings. So CNN would just go to a Trump rally and stay there as long as Trump was out there.
2: As long as people are addicted to money and see money as success, Les Moonfest goes, oh, I shouldn't give him so much coverage, but it's such good ratings. This is during the ele- election.
0: Let me uh, ask you what comedians you admire. And and uh, to help me out, there are new ones that I probably don't know and because uh, I have not— really been in uh, the comedy se- uh, scene for quite a while. I'm I, I know less popular culture as when I was serving in the Senate than I ever knew. <laughs> right. You bet. <laughs> and I'm being, I'm catching up a little bit. So, who should I be be watching?
2: Ooh. Um Tig Notaro.
0: I I know her. I know her work. I, totally I do know Tig.
2: Genius. There's a, a woman named Kate Berlant, I find very exciting. Okay.
0: Okay.
2: Um, a comic called Beth Stelling.
0: Now, uh, now, does does she have a Netflix special, or does she have a? She
2: was in the Netflix cluster of specials called, I think, the specials where it was like four half hours. She's okay. One of the half so hours. So she
0: has a half hour mm-hmm. set. Yeah. That's what you guys call it, right? She's great. Yeah, do a set.
2: A set, yeah. I'm gonna go out and do a set. How'd you
0: like my set?
2: Yeah, really good set.
0: (laughs) See, I I know the, I know the lingo. Uh, I'm lost. It.
2: Who else do I like? So many comics. Todd Glass is like one of my all-time favorites. That's
0: right. I have the feeling that um, you know some of my listeners. Just don't keep oh, up.
2: I was just got excited about Todd Glass. He has some of my favorite jokes.
0: Give me a Todd yeah, yeah. Glass joke, just uh, to...
2: like he's talking about um, changing with the times. And mm-hmm. you know, we care about a lot of the same things, you know. And people who are just so afraid to change with the times and just fight it at every turn. And then he's, you know, he's the guy who goes, uh, uh, "What? Well, I, I mean, what is this peanut allergies? We didn't have peanut allergies <laughs> when I was growing up." And he goes. Yeah, they were called unexplained deaths.
0: <laughs>
2: and yeah, he has such brilliant—he has a brilliant joke. Uh, what is it about? Oh, we can't say Merry Christmas anymore. We can't say Merry Christmas anymore. Yes, you can. Yeah, I think we're just saying that not everyone celebrates Christmas. Like you can say Happy Holidays and include everybody. Like people who are like that are like people who say, uh, "Oh, I can't say Hi, Glenn." To everyone. <laughs> I mean, you can. It's just not everyone's name is Glenn. I, I don't, you know, I don't think anyone would mind. Uh,
0: I heard this story uh, about so David brilliant. Pryor. David Pryor was, uh, was running for governor of Arkansas, and he was also a senator. And uh, he ran into a guy who was like really old, and he said, "How old are you?" I'm ninety-three years old. And he said, uh, "Well, you must have seen a lot of changes." And he said, "Yeah, I've been again every one of them."
2: Yeah. I mean, it's... Sometimes
0: I do feel like that.
2: Well, that's why I always think it's odd with progress, and so often Republicans, conservatives fight progress, and then ultimately the progress happens, and then they're used to it, and they're okay with it, and they don't see that, they don't see their own pattern and go, oh, maybe I should be open to this because it's going to be the way things are. Well, every
0: once in a while, I mean, we do things that don't work, and... I, my belief is you experiment with things. When things aren't working, you try to improve them. And but sometimes they don't work, and people are people are skeptical. And and uh, this is you know, the the part of republicanism that I understand pretty well, which is if you get a government controlling everything, that maybe then um, it's the elites that control the government. And. and-
2: I never really understood that fear until Trump was elected. And then when I had that fear, like, you know, he was elected and suddenly I was like, I need to like stock up on canned goods and learn how to fire a gun and, you know, like all these things. And I went, oh, that's, that's how other people have felt, you know, during Obama. I can at least relate to that, the raw emotion of this. And now I understand it.
0: I think this, uh, this uh, scandal about school admissions mm-hmm. where parents were paying hundreds of thousands or, in some cases, I think millions of <laughs> dollars or, to uh, get their – to falsify things. For the...
2: Tape their, their kid's head on a crew, you know. Yeah, crew. or
0: Photoshop it. and <laughs> Yeah, I guess but, not
2: tape. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What am I, you?
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, uh, but, but uh, I think – uh, a lot of people in this country look at that and go, these are the damn elites.
2: I know. That was what I thought. I go, oh, they're going to say it's the Hollywood elites. Meanwhile,
0: but half were, of see, our
2: presidents are. I mean, there's no way Trump's dad didn't buy his way into Wharton. My know.
0: favorite thing that I heard in the Cohen.
2: Yeah, mine here, too. Was,
0: was uh, that he intimidated the schools that. Trump went to not to release his grades.
2: Yeah, he had Cohen threaten them. <laughs> I mean, that listen, it was two uh, actresses and their husbands or whatever, but it's like forty people and they're all over.
0: Yeah, and but it's it's a crime and it's going to be interesting. To see what happens.
2: There are yeah. were several.
0: But poor, you know who else is gonna...
2: women who fudged where they live to get their, you know, kids into decent school systems that are serving six-year sentences. Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, I I didn't know that. So they, you know, they're they're being punished to just because they are at a disadvantage and trying to get the best for their kids. These are rich people who have dumb kids.
0: Yeah, and maybe not that dumb, but they wanted to get into an elite school where there are plenty of smart kids who go to schools that aren't that elite and who end up going to graduate school at the elite schools because they turn out they're actually really, really smart. Yeah, and
2: And college is college. No, it
0: is. It is. And and I had on my staff people who, undergraduate, went to some school – you never heard of, and then graduate school went went to, you know, Harvard Law or Yale Law because they're just brilliant and they're brilliant at their. It, I I would like to tell parents, it doesn't make that much difference, it, where where your kid goes. What makes a difference is are they engaged?
2: Yeah. Well, I went to NYU for one year, right? And I had a small scholarship, and my dad paid the rest. And I oh, couldn't. so your
0: dad was rich. Yeah, yeah, I mean, rich.
2: <laughs> and I couldn't believe how much this school was filled with rich kids who didn't give a shit about learning. I mean, I think also because I came from this high school, like I, I got into learning, you know, and it just it was it really disgusted me.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't
2: buy my books because I just had the rich kids buy the books, and then I read them.
0: Yeah. For them. Did you re- read them for them and give a little report to I just let them know how the,
2: what happened in class and what the reading, <laughs> what happened in the reading.
0: And you got your books for free because of that.
2: Yeah. That's
0: kind of a, a fair trade. But they were the losers in that, weren't they?
2: A hundred percent.
0: Yeah. So, well, let that they, be a I'm lesson. And sure they
2: graduated. I didn't, you know, but I, even when I left, I stole classes. I always tell people, steal classes. I mean, not... Deal, but
0: you audited classes, That's not officially. Okay, but
2: I went to big lecture classes that I was interested in, and then just didn't pass in papers or anything.
0: But you went to the university, and I think you're not—you're you're allowed to go to lectures.
2: No, no, no. After I went for one year, and then I was no longer there.
0: Oh, and then you lived in the area and just went.
2: Yeah, all my friends. It's like you know when your friends. uh you know, I went that one year, and then all my friends went all four years, and I stayed in the village and everything. And now then I you, be,
0: you were doing stand up then, I yeah. And 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 where did you work there?
2: At the Boston Comedy Club
0: in New York.
2: Yes, that's in New York City. Not anymore. It was on Third Street between Sullivan and Thompson, and I passed out flyers on Third Street and McDougal and I made 10 dollars an hour. I made a 100 dollars a day. I worked from 4 p.m. to 2 a.m.
0: Jesus. But then you did a set. I mean, you did a, you did stand-up. And I get
2: to yeah, I'd, I'd get to I it meant that I could do open mic without bringing two
0: people. I see. <laughs> <laughs> and uh what did you do then? What, what when you were starting? What was your act like?
2: Um, it was pretty terrible. I remember I had a joke, I mean, I couldn't even pretend to, I don't don't even know what's funny about this joke anymore. I don't understand this, but.
0: Okay, at one point it was funny to you, so this uh, is interesting.
2: What do you say if you say something that rhymes by accident? I'm a poet and I don't even know it, but what if you say something free verse by accident? What do you say? Oh, I'm a poet and I never realized that, or something like that.
0: That's I did, that's I, that's a, that is a joke. It's technically, yeah,
2: it's a joke. <laughs> I mean, I was terrible.
0: There is a difference between a joke and a good joke.
2: I read a joke, and I have my notebooks, my comedy notebooks, since the beginning. Oh, great! And I read a joke in one of my notebooks from when I was nineteen, and so bad. <laughs> I go, I don't know why my fish died. I put it in a tank top.
0: Wow,
3: that's bad.
2: Yeah. Wow. And then I think before tank and top, I put in my notebook, pause. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you were studious. I mean, you, you and look where you are you now. You have to
2: stink at first. You do
0: have to stink. That's the lesson there.
2: That goes because you bomb and you bomb and you bomb. And if you're still doing it.
0: I think bombing is very helpful. It makes you resilient, right? Yes. And resilience is, to me, when we were talking about the rich kids who sail through everything because they're they're wealthy, uh, to some extent they don't build that resilience. Yeah. And the kids have to come through something. Not that you and I really have No, I was once yeah. for nothing. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot to grit and determination and curiosity and those things which which you do have.
2: I was thinking about this really I hope people are still being raised to not lie and not cheat. <laughs> you know, and I, you know it's so odd because the the people that we're told are successful in this country, in this world, are are liars and cheaters who just
0: found well, a way to win
2: you, a lot of money.
0: You and I picked strange businesses in order to avoid lies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is a rough town. I mean, in terms of working with agents and stuff like that. Nothing.
2: I'm. I really. Did. I have a hard time biting my lip because I just. I hate when everyone knows like a truth in a room and no one's saying it.
0: Do you still go to your therapist? Yeah. Has your therapist said uh, that a lot of people come in about Trump?
2: Oh well, the day after the election, I called <laughs> him and. I left, you know he he doesn't pick up his phone. I left a message. I said, I can imagine you're getting a lot of phone calls today.
0: <laughs> but I think that um, it's really made people feel unsafe and anxious
2: on all sides. There's, yeah. you know, there's not. It's not just just the Democrats or just the Republicans and everyone in between. It's everyone feels unsafe, and they. For well, some reasons, the... they should. We're not being attacked by our on our southern border. Um, Democrats aren't trying to kill
0: born babies. Let's uh, try to end this by making people feel better about themselves and life. And okay, and, uh... this is the
2: end of democracy as we know it. It's something that needed to be protected, and we didn't. And it's the end of days. So you know, make peace with your God.
0: And well, have I want to thank day. Sarah. <laughs> For joining us,
2: you know, I take comfort in something that sounds nihilistic, but um, really nothing matters.
0: Oh no, not that!
2: What? <laughs> nothing matters. Oh no, we are. We are. What? How are we as humans different than bees who are pollinating plants and don't know what the fuck why they're doing oh, it? We're so different. Caterpillars.
0: We're so turning different.
2: into. Cocoons and going, What am I doing? They're not they're not asking. They're just doing. We're here for a reason to build robots, and then we're going to be extinct.
0: no, we are um, uh, now you're getting into questions for your sister, the rabbi, because this <laughs> yeah. is. Now you're talking about, but light, I don't mean uh, it God in an and...
2: anarchist way of like who cares, nothing matters, don't love each other. I'm saying the opposite in a way. It's just like I don't think that we're gives here a lot for of... one life, and we have to love each other and find our happiness.
0: I I believe that, and what I think is that you have done that, and that's one of the things I admire about you, and that I see in you, which is that you are. Open to change, when I Love America was about you going and visiting Trump supporters, and you know, and seeing them as as people, and them seeing you as as a person. I and didn't
2: meet any crazy Republicans that I didn't leave there loving.
0: So, in uh, your first episode of I Love America,
2: mm-hmm. I love you America.
0: had one of the Phelpses. Yes, the daughter of the Phelpses,
2: Megan Phelps Roper.
0: Yeah, uh, on the show, and she had fi- she had changed, but I had been picketed by the Phelpses. I, I spoke at Kansas State. I was in the, my dressing room. They said, "There's a demonstration against you." So I say, "Well, who are they?" And they say, "Well, they're this uh, Westboro Baptist Church group that that pickets uh, funerals of of gay people who died." And I said, well, let's meet them. And I went out there, and it had the thing, God hates fags, you know, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. And I remember saying to one of the guys holding those signs, I said, do you really think God hates? Yeah. And he said, it is one of his finest qualities.
2: Yeah, it's so funny. I had a similar experience where there's a little 7-year-old girl, and I said, do you really think God hates exactly just like that? And she goes, he hates you.
0: I'm like, oh, sweetie. <laughs> That's a better answer, I think. Well, no. It's one of his finest. <laughs> well, you know,
2: Megan, Megan was probably there if it was more than six years ago or so.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a long, long time ago. But then I, had, I tried to have a reasonable conversation with him. And they, I, I really you couldn't. But I, I tried. And, and actually, you know, it didn't get hostile or anything like that.
2: Yeah, they—they. It's crazy. I mean, they're awful. They're awful, awful, awful. They totally believe what they're doing. They're nonviolent. No, what they do is (laughs) disgusting. (laughs) Disgusting. They just happen to be nonviolent. So, but Megan, yeah, she's brilliant. She's amazing. She was. I love people who have been changed. I'm no different than the the Westboro Baptist Church people in that. They're just a product of how they were raised. I was raised by a couple super liberal, bleeding heart liberal Jews, and now I am one. It's the no great feat, you know. I'd love to think I would get here on my own, but I can't say that would be necessarily true. And they're they're the same. You know, you can love people. There isn't anyone you couldn't love once you've heard their story. Hitler said that. No, I never said that. I was a woman. Hitler but, um, said,
0: uh, Every man has a price. Uh, what's amazing is how low it is.
2: Is that, did Hitler say that? Yeah. Whoa. That's so like Kurt Vonnegut ish, isn't it? Or Mark Twain ish even. Yeah. He was also a vegetarian. You know, people don't talk about the good things.
0: <laughs> I I once uh, was on Bill Maher's. Uh, this is when it was politically incorrect, and I had Michael Reagan on. He's oh, the son. Oh, right, of, of course, yes, yeah. And he was just talking. He was just couldn't stop talking, and he was dominating the thing. And uh, Bill tried to interrupt him, and it was one of these times where it was like, should we kill Saddam? So we just kill Saddam? And we have this law that we can't kill foreign leaders. And uh, I said, well, people ask this, like should we have killed Hitler but you know there could have been someone a lot worse than Hitler and Michael Reagan because he wants to talk goes Al's right and then he goes oh in half- <laughs> <laughs> so
2: oh God so that's Everyone's my talking and no one's listening but you know who is Alexa oh yeah and Siri.
0: They're getting a lot of data on us,
2: and all we do, all it is, is output.
0: Okay, this did not cheer people okay, up. Hold okay, hold on, I, I
2: can end on a good thing. Okay, good, good. Can good. I, I ways that I've like thing big things I've learned from talking to people?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I interviewed Christian Picciolini, who's a was a Nazi skinhead, neo-Nazi skinhead, and now he helps get people out of hate groups. And Mm -hmm. I asked him, you know, what he would say, what advice. I don't know. He said, uh, find someone who doesn't deserve your compassion and give it to them anyway. Because that's what happened to him. And he was changed. And I think about it all the time because I go, I want to do that. But then I go, well, if I met a Nazi, would I go, well, this is just someone who, before they're changed, I don't know. I hope so, but it's hard. It's not, you're not supposed to be. plenty of people
0: who deserve compassion, who don't get it. Is compassion
2: so expensive that you can't waste it on people?
0: No, no. But, I mean, I.
2: It's like with the Jesse Smollett thing. I'm sorry, I can't, I'm like like Michael Reagan over here.
0: No, no, no. Tell me about the the Jesse.
2: Well. You know, that the the right – it's so funny that the aftermath, that it was a hoax, it's so odd that the right was gleeful that we – we gave compassion to this person who was putting one over on us. And then the left was, like, sorrowful that he didn't have a hate crime happen to him. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole point is kind of missed it. We didn't waste anything by immediately believing in him and giving him compassion. If, if every 30 years it turns out to be a hoax, who fucking cares? If every year it's, you know, it happens so often... And it. what does it waste or hurt to believe someone and give them compassion?
0: Because it is an opportunity to say liberals, blah, blah, blah.
2: It's just so odd.
0: I know, but they don't miss an opportunity to do that. Oh, man, we're not cheering people up. <laughs> and
2: in conclusion, <laughs> the truth is, I love you.
0: I love you. oh.
2: Love is cheap. May sound corny.
0: Mm-hmm. Does.
2: You have to accept yourself.
0: No. It's not always easy. You deserve love.
2: If you can hear my voice, you a hundred percent any schmuck on the street deserves love. You know what Tig said to me? And it I, like and I don't know where she heard it, but it changed me.
0: Okay. Totally. Okay.
2: I was shitting on myself for whatever reason. Oh, I hate my this or whatever. She goes, don't talk about my friend like that. Mm-hmm. That's so great.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. All right, well, bye, Sarah everybody. Sarah and I are going to get some to eat, and then I'll go see her do a 15-minute set. Fantastic. Well, after our interview was over, we went out to dinner. And after uh, dinner, we went to Largo, which is a, uh, a club, a comedy club in West Hollywood, where uh, a lot of comedians work out new material. In other words, they're they're trying to work up a set maybe for like an hour show for Netflix or something like that, or just working up their act for, for touring. And it's a safe place to do that. I saw a number of comedians that night and they were all great. Sarah, she said, why don't you get up? And I went, oh, I haven't been up in, in, in years. She said, yeah, well, come on, come on, come on. And so I said, oh, what the hell? And I did. So she introduced me. It was very gratifying, the uh, welcome I got. And I did an old uh, piece, Placenta Helper, uh, that Tom Davis and I had written and was censored uh, in 1975. So this was a very, very old piece. It was just two women who are pregnant meet in a uh, grocery store, and they know each other, and uh, uh, one says, by the way, do you plan to eat the placenta? And the other one says, you're kidding. You mean the afterbirth? Yes, it's very nutritious and 100% natural. Okay, but is there enough placenta to go around for me and my family? Well, not if your husband has a hearty appetite like mine, and that's why you need Placenta Helper. Placenta Helper lets you stretch your placenta into a tasty casserole. Like placenta Romanov, a zesty blend of cheeses makes for a zingy sauce that Russian czars commanded at palace feasts. Look, you can only eat your placenta once every nine months. Why not make a rare occasion? A rare occasion. Anyway, it went pretty well. That was very gratifying. That beautiful music you're listening to is from Leo Kotki. I asked him to do this. It's, it's from a hook from a song called "Julie's House," a beautiful, beautiful song. I just think it's beautiful. I also want to thank Peter Ogburn, who uh, is our producer, and I want to thank you for for listening. And I want to give a little bit of a shout out to myself. I'm uh, I'm the guy doing the work, so uh, I'll see you next time on this. Audio medium. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the Al Franken podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.
1: The early 2000s was a wild time for reality TV. There seemed to be an endless supply of shows that delivered entertainment for us, but trauma for children. I'm Misha Brown, the host of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop. Each week on The Big Flop, comedians join me to chronicle the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? We recently looked behind the scenes of what was really going on at Abby Lee Miller's dance studio. Abby's biggest misstep wasn't screaming nonsensical catchphrases or throwing chairs on television, but instead, she was choreographing financial fraud in plain sight. Join me to break down all the wild details of Abby Lee Miller's story. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Big Flop early and ad free right now by joining Wondery Plus.